Number two, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. About five minutes, we'll get Scott Dockerman in here. We'll talk Hawks and Big Ten with Doc. Chip Kelly, new offensive coordinator, Ohio State. Yes. Head coach in the Big Ten, decides to leave for an OC job. Your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, he could be in Iowa City if Kirk Ferentz uh, would have been willing to listen a little more so when they why, had a phone call. why do you think that that did not happen? Was is, is Chip Kelly too big of a name? I don't even know if it's the name, is just what he wants to do. Doesn't marry exactly Different with what, offense. Kirk, right, right. With what to, Kirk Ferentz yeah. wants to do. Yep. And you kind of look at what the way that I was built. Could that have worked? No, probably not. I'm, did Chip Kelly reach out or did Iowa reach out? Chip Kelly were, reached out. Did he? He was reaching out everywhere. Yeah. And the way that I heard it, and this was, what did I tell you about that? Was it, I can't remember if it was December or January, but it was very quickly, look, they had a conversation. Mm-hmm. That's all that it was, was mm-hmm. a conversation. And at the time, he also let it be very well known to Kirk, the way that I heard it, is that he was going to be looking for NFL OC jobs. Right. That's his goal. To get that's that. what he was looking for. That was first and uh-huh. foremost. And maybe that was enough for Kurt to say, we don't need to go any further. Mm-hmm. If we're going to hire you and then a week, two weeks, three weeks later, right. you're off taking an OC job at the NFL. Uh-huh. We obviously don't want that. But there were conversations. I, I do know that. And I heard that a while ago that it was. But I, I cannot imagine. No, I couldn't either. That. And I don't think it's. Anything with ego, I, it just marrying those two things and their ideals and the way that you do things offensively, mm-hmm. it would not have been pretty. I and mean, we, we've seen those things try to happen before, and it gets ugly, and it happens right away. Um, look, Ryan Day needs to beat Michigan one of these years. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, this year. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe Chip Kelly knows that uh, my, that possibility might be there. Um, look, Ohio State is loaded. Mm-hmm. Loaded. Did you see that? Uh, is it FanDuel that's already got the season win totals out for next year in college football? I did, and I we had this conversation. We did. It was the Thursday or Friday of last week uh-huh. when we guesstimated what the number is going to be. We thought eight and a half, and we both said go take the over. Mm-hmm. It's seven and a half, and the money's ju- and and the juice is towards the under. Right, you're getting plus money for seven and a half. At least you were. You have to look at this schedule. Not oh, the West is going; they're screwed, right? Because this... and that was my that was my take months ago. Mm-hmm. Trent, they're going to be fine. This schedule is beautiful, and everybody's coming back on the defensive side of the ball. Well, except one. The road trip to Ohio State that's not going to be a win. No, there, there's losses on the schedule, but there's not five. No, no, and that's what it would be to get uh-huh. the under. Could they lose to Iowa State at home? Absolutely. Yeah, happened just two years ago. Right. Could they lose at Minnesota again? I don't think so. I don't think so, but... But it'll probably be a close game. Mm-hmm. And things happen in a close game. Can they lose at Michigan State? I don't a, think so, I don't but... think so. Washington at home? Yes, they played for a national championship. Mm-hmm. So did TCU the year before. Yeah. It, it is not a great uh, back-to-back that's going to happen there, and they return zero starters offensively. Oh, boy. You beat Northwestern last year in Wrigley. Mm-hmm. You anticipate you're going to be better on the defensive side of the football. You beat Nebraska last year. Now you get them at home. Mm-hmm. You beat Wisconsin last year. All three of those teams on the road. Now you get them all in Kinnick. Yep. You go to UCLA. They got a new coach, by the way. Right. Who? Uh, yeah, because the old coach didn't want to be there. You go to Maryland. Not yeah. exactly the most daunting no. road trip that you're going to have no. on the course of the season. It's not an overly difficult I schedule. I agree with you. This is not a lookout. Now, 2025, when you look at those, that schedule's dip. But mm-hmm. in the interim, in 2024, 
I was baffled by the number. I, I was shocked. Look, if you're in a spot where you can have your money tied up till the last weekend in November, mm-hmm. go for it. Right, yes. And get it now because you're getting plus money, which is, again, was as big of a surprise as anything. Well, the number itself, and then I thought for sure it'd be juiced. But no, it's minus not. 130, minus yeah. 140, something like that. No, that's not the case. Um, Iowa State. Same thing. Were you surprised by that number? No, I haven't seen the Big 12 numbers. Yeah. Uh, win totals. Let me bring them up here. Da, da, da. Go down to Big 12. There we go. Iowa State, also 7.5. Okay. Uh, over, plus 116. Under, minus 144. So you're heavily juiced. Can this team win eight games next year? I'd make a bet right now. Uh, let me take a look at the schedule first mm-hmm. because I want to have that in front of me. Here's the schedule for the clones. North Dakota, win. win. Clones, I mean Hawks, toss-up. Mm-hmm. Arkansas State, win. Win. At Houston, win. Home to Baylor, win. At West Virginia, L. Home to UCF, tough game, win. Home to Texas Tech, win. At Kansas, L. Home to Cincy, win. At Utah, loss. Home to K State, toss up. They're at eight. Looks like eight wins to me. Yeah, and they and they're seven and a half plus one sixteen on the over. Huh. Um. Who's got who's whose win totals the highest? In, in, in Utah. It's got to be Utah. Uh, I'd have in to click on them each individual. They're okay. not. You have to click on them all. But let's it has see. to be Utah. UCF is eight and a half. Utah nine and a half. Uh, K State will probably be the other. Or also Oki nine State. And a half. What's Oki State? Oklahoma State. The Cowboys are seven and a half. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech. Tech is eight. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. I like the under on that one. Kansas, eight and a half. Oh, let me th- uh, Dion, Colorado. Colorado, five and a half. Do they get to bowl eligibility? Cats of Arizona, before we get Doc. Arizona is also eight and a half. A lot of teams yeah, in that range. A lot of teams in that range. Yes, well, we got, some, we got some investigative work to do here in the offseason. We've got some time to do it, yes, Trent. Gone, then unfortunately. Not, indeed, unfortunately, is right. Right now is the time. We'll get Scott Dockerman in here. Yeah, I was shocked when the... When the um, uh, I saw the SEC and I saw the Big Tens. I've, uh, that, those are the only two uh, conferences that I have seen. Uh, but apparently, they're out. And I, I want to say FanDuel has those. So if you're a FanDuel customer uh, and you're so inclined, again, the downside of this doing it right now is we sit here in the middle of February. Um, <laughs> your money's going to be tied up to the 1st of December, essentially. But if you're in a spot where you can do that, uh, boy, oh, boy, there sure looks as though there's eight wins on there for Iowa. And and now that we go through the schedule with Iowa State, certainly a path uh, to get the eight wins for Iowa State uh, as well. So good stuff. Um, I know a couple of my a couple of our listeners uh, have already uh, texted me that they are down already on the Hawks when they saw that number. They could not believe it, and I understand why. All right, Alec Bussey coming up on Iowa State Trends plays of the day. Before we get out of here at one as well, right now let's get Scott Dockerman in here. He covers the Hawks at the Athletic. Doc Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. Just a real quick, uh, since we, we were kind of going down the gambling path, Doc. Um, I was over under number for next year. It's already out seven and a half at FanDuel. Boy, oh boy, sure seems like there's eight wins on that schedule to me, Doc. But um, I mean, they do it every year, seemingly. You know, this team finds a way to win eight football games. Yet uh, FanDuel's got it at seven and a half. Just off the top of your head, uh, your thoughts on that number? 
Well, it's probably a pretty good number to start with. Um, you know, Iowa's won at least eight games every year since 2015. So, uh, but granted, if you're talking about regular season, there have been yep. a couple of sevens. But, but I, I don't know. I think that's a pretty good number to start with. It, you know, if Iowa's offense can make you know major strides to be at least mediocre, I think Iowa's got a chance to eclipse that pretty easily. But mm-hmm. you know, they got to go to Ohio State. That's going to be a challenge. You never know what kind of team Washington will bring, and then you don't know, you know, how maybe a Wisconsin or a Nebraska might improve. So, and Iowa State too. I think Iowa State's really good. So, I, I think this uh, that's that's probably right on the head for this, you know, six months, seven months before the season starts. In the interim, as we get ready for spring practice, we're what six weeks away, five weeks away from the start of spring practice. I think March twenty first was the number uh, Tim Lester talked about here. Kind of what's the, the game plan? What do you anticipate that Tim Lester is doing, working to implement things, obviously without being able to do it on a practice field? Kind of what's going to be happening now? What's the background as this team gets ready to start at least uh, what we anticipate is going to be a new look offense for 2024? Yeah, I think right now it's, it's just going to be about installation for Tim Lester to try to figure out what types of scheme and players he has or what, what types of players he has to work with and then what kind of scheme works best with that you know he's uh that it's it's gonna take i i'd imagine it's gonna take a while and that was kind of the only part of it for me when uh iowa was not uh when didn't hire somebody right away that as we got closer to to february that i was kind of concerned with with iowa was you know would would anybody uh you know how much longer are they going to have before they can start implementing this because the season or the you know, with March 21st on the horizon, you know, I mean, are they going to have all the the plays available? So I, I think uh, that's probably what he's spending this very short month of February trying to figure out. Uh, we hadn't spoken to you since Lester's press conference. Seemingly uh, he hit all the right notes uh, during the press conference. Your takeaway, Doc, uh, from listening to the new OC last week? I came away with some positive vibes. Uh, I think what you know, struck struck me and probably most people was just how he, uh, you know, his, his kind of tenets, his, his main principles are to be, you know, physical, uh, disciplined, and aggressive. And aggressive was the one that always stands out because I think that's probably been the main argument a lot of Iowa fans have had about Iowa's offense, that it hasn't been aggressive enough. And, and whether it's taking chances or, you know, not taking the air out of the ball in the third quarter or what. I think I'm going to be very fascinated to see what he means by that when we get a chance to talk to him a little more directly. And, um, you know, but by and large, I thought his vibes were good. I thought he was positive. I thought he had a chance to kind of develop and talk about what he wanted to accomplish with this team. And I think he's, uh, you know, on the right path for that. And, and RPO wise, I, I think we're all excited just to see a little bit, a little bit of a change in the way they do things. So, uh, by and large, I was pretty optimistic with what I heard. We saw Cade McNamara before the bowl game. He was throwing the football around, working his way back off the ACL. He's not going to be a full contact go, obviously, here this spring. But any idea what kind of work he's going to be able to do this spring? You know, is it can he even do seven on sevens, those kind of things? Again, we're still a ways away, and we'll get more kind of medically. But it sounds like he's on the right path. What do you anticipate? What kind of work that McNamara is going to be able to do this spring? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Trent. I'm not real sure as far as specifics go yet. Obviously, he's not going to be in, as you noted, he's not going to be in 
uh, full pads out there handing off the ball and, and what have you. But um, I'd imagine he's going to be throwing a lot. You know, as far as throwing seven on seven or routes, uh, yeah, I think he could probably do some of that. Um, you know, and, and that'll be helpful for him and and also for Tim Lester to try to see and gauge, you know, his accuracy. I mean, it's not the same. We all know that, but you know how you compete against uh, defensive backs. I think we'll we'll show you what you've got a little bit. So, I, I would expect there, him to to be able to throw routes at minimum and possibly seven on seven you know, throughout most of uh, spring camp. Well, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic is joining us. Miller and Condon, 106.3 KXNO. Doc, uh, your, your takeaway on Chip Kelly leaving a Big Ten head coaching job at UCLA, where he seemingly was flirting with every opening that was out there. Uh, the last thing he wanted to, I guess, was to, you know, the remain the, the head coach in Westwood. But uh, here he is over in Columbus as the new OC. Ryan Day is going to have to beat Michigan one of these years. Check that this year, uh, I think. Um but uh, Chip Kelly to Ohio State, your thoughts? Yeah, it's a really interesting move. I mean, it's certainly not lateral. Um, it does speak to the problems that UCLA has. I think it's going to be significant. I I kind of joked when they joined the Big Ten to begin with that, that you're talking about Maryland on the West Coast, but I think it might be worse than that because um, not only does USC really run the roost in that part of the USC runs the roost on that part of the world, but I think also. Um, UCLA has significant financial problems. I mean, they last year they they were 36 million under, mm. uh, you know, with expenses over uh, income. So they've got some real challenges there, uh, and I don't know that they're going to be able to get through them. And then when you talk about joining the Big Ten and playing these Big Ten teams, and you know that the Pac-12 is good for sure, but I think there's more. There's more competition in the Big Ten, and they're not going to be able to swim very long there. So, I, I think he saw the writing on the wall that he's probably going to have a bad season this year, probably get fired. So he figured he wanted to get out while he could, and and it is a great matchup with him in uh, in Ohio State. I could argue and say that that they were probably better off with him than Bill, Bill O'Brien for that job. I think he's better suited for it and and what they like to run. So, uh, I think this could be a really good matchup for. Um, for a good match for Ohio State, and then with with UCLA hiring Deshaun Foster, you know it's hard to really say what, what we know. I mean, he was a good running back for the Bruins way back when, and played well with the Carolina Panthers. But I don't I don't know that he can be a, a quality head coach. Maybe he will be, you know. But I'm not doubting him. I'm just saying that we don't really know, and and so I think it could be a real challenge for UCLA to get off the mat. For the second time this season, we've seen Iowa women let a late lead slip away. And you have an article up on The Athletic uh, talking about Lisa Bluter upset at the end of the game. The protocol for who goes first on the podium, I mean, so be it. But the volume, the music playing during free throws, that's something that is a no-no. Yet it was happening. Your takeaway from yesterday and letting another one slip away late. Yeah, I mean, Lisa has every right to be upset over those details, but overall, the reason why she's mostly upset is <laughs> they lost, yes. mm-hmm. lost in the fashion that they did, and and rightly so. I think she has she has to be mad at herself and at the team. And, and I know I've seen some hot takes that it's all on her. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do think that um, what this one and the Ohio State win does is it kind of shines a spotlight into this team that. When you need, when you take your foot off the gas and you need buckets, they don't really have that go-to post player and that you require, and and that's what they had with Monica Zanano that 
you know, just get the ball inside and then she can either draw the foul or go up and score and, and take away a run. And, and they haven't been able to do that. So, uh, you know, they're, they're still an outstanding team, no question. But I think this is a, this is a teachable moment for them. They need to learn from it. And that includes the coaches as to how they, um, sub and, and scheme around it because it, it is an issue. And once you get in the NCAA tournament, you know, by the second round, you're going to be facing some pretty quality competition. Doc, fast forwarding to Thursday, I, I have to assume, uh, and I'm not sure there's a database that would provide any clarity for what I'm about to say, but this has got to be the most difficult secondary market, the most expensive secondary market when it comes to a ticket uh, for for Carver Hawkeye, right? Ever, I would think. I mean, would any what would be close, a close second? Well, it, it, I'm sure they're soaring now. I know uh, before yesterday, the Ohio State game was the number one, um, and it was like $420 a ticket or something like that for uh, the Ohio State Senior Day. Yeah. But I think this one will probably be soaring past that. I can't think of anything. I mean, you know, on the men's side, there hasn't been any kind of a match that has uh, a game that has, has – got that kind of anticipation in, in the last couple decades and and likewise uh wrestling has had uh, you know a couple of 150 dollar nights for yeah. tickets but but i i can't think of anything that'll match what we're about to see on thursday you uh also talked a little bit and you saw the news of the big 10 as they uh you talked about the Olympi- olympic sport modeling and they're working on that 15 teams going forward, making the tournament for both the women's and the men's side. You were on the basketball beat for a long time. Your takeaway from that, I don't love it, but I understand it. Hey, you don't finish in the top 15. You don't get to go to the conference tournament. I guess this is uh, the new landscape, right, with 18 teams in a league. Yeah, you can't get much. I mean, if you had 16, you could probably get away with it. But I, I don't know. I think that's a, you know that's not a bad number to have. I mean, I, I think there are really interesting ways to do it but i that would require too much mental gymnastics (laughs) so you know whether it's like multiple campuses on you know first weekend and then second weekend or something but i think most for the most part that's okay they don't want to have the first day with four games or five games even and and so i i'm I'm okay with with 15 because i mean if you're if you're the 16th best team in the big 10 you know probably your coach is probably on his way out anyway and uh, or or if they're not, they're having a complete overhaul and want to get onto recruiting rather than going and getting beat by twenty in the first round. Right. So I, I'm all right with it. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic. Doc, uh, what a couple of weeks away from Indy? Yeah, two weeks from today. Well, uh, you know, I'll be I'll be already be there uh, two weeks from today. So yeah, I'll be there for an entire week, and I can't wait to get the names. Because I'm kind of yes. getting anxious about that. Ditto. The NFL, they'll be coming. They they seldom want to miss a news cycle. <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable how they own the offseason. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, what else we got to look forward to this week at The Athletic? Well, I'm going to be writing a lot about Caitlin Clark, and we're going to have you know one of my colleagues here, our national writer, Chantel Jennings, will be here covering it as well. So, yeah, we've got plenty going on, um, you know, on those lines. And, I don't know. Maybe I'll try to slip in a mailbag later this week. Now that the OC has been named, because I, I've kind of been reluctant to, ask, to put it together a mailbag because I just know all the questions yeah. will be about that. You know, so but now that that's named, at least I I have some substance to write about. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic Doc. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll speak with you next week. Thank you, Doc. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, you're the same, Scott Dockerman. As we check in on the Big Ten and Iowa. So you said that Thursdays. 
get in on the secondary market is actually a lower price at this point than the uh, senior day. Yes, correct. Ohio yeah. State game. Yeah, you're looking at about five fifteen to get in for the Thursday night affair and over six hundred for the final time for Caitlin Clark at Carver Hawkeye Arena before the NCAA tournament. Right, right. What if you could? Um, what what would Ella want to go to? Mm. His daughter, Trent's daughter. Uh, probably the senior day, I would think. Uh, sh- plus, we have the Ohio State connection. My brother-in-law, Uncle Vince, is an Ohio State grad. Mm-hmm. So the Buckeyes, you know, that red, they, they gets her seen a little more red herself. So yeah. probably that one. But we've made the plans. My sister lives in Cleveland. Final Four's in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. We went last year. Mm-hmm. So- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, that's already what got her. I said, remember, Elle, they got to win four games to get there again. She just thinks it's a foregone conclusion. Wouldn't it be great to have that eight-year-old mindset? Oh, I remember my. those days. Watching Iowa basketball back then, well, they win all the time. <laughs> it's not quite that easy. No, indeed it's not. All right, time for another $1,000 keyword. Speaking of winning, let's give somebody a chance to win $1,000. Head to kxno.com right now. You can enter the nationwide keyword credit, credit at kxno.com. Your chance to win $1,000 credit at kxno.com. Or if and Andy have a couple opportunities to drive with Heather and Sean, three more uh, before we uh, end our local programming block at 6 p.m. tonight. Alec Bussey covers Iowa State. He joins Trent and I next. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Miller Condon, welcome back. Just past 1230, it's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. If you missed it, the keyword this hour is credit, credit at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000. Trends plays of the day coming up in about 15 minutes. Right now, let's talk Iowa State, shall we? They're on the road at Cincinnati tomorrow. Uh, watch a little bit of that Cincinnati-Houston game. Houston kind of warmed down, but Cincinnati's got some dudes. Mm-hmm. Alec Bussey joins us, CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 sports. Alec, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully you enjoyed watching the Super Bowl as much as I did. Absolutely. In the second half, I thought it was a pretty good game. Absolutely. Are you a Chiefs fan? Uh, I'm not. I'm a Bears fan. Um, but I have a brother-in-law who's a big Chiefs fan, and then just some people that I've worked with in the past are Chiefs fans. So I was kind of happy that, that they were able to come out on top just so my friends were happy and uh, things like that. Gotcha. Well, someday, Alex. Someday we'll be able to. You'll, you'll get another. You'll, well, you'll maybe. know what it's like to win one. Uh, anyways, uh, I want to go back to, to Saturday and – 
I just uh, I can't tell you how impressed uh, by the, the way this team just guards you. They just they attack the basketball and and by the way I I so appreciate you at CycloneAlert.com uh, putting up the transcript of the uh, of the post game press conference. I really uh, I get a lot from that. So thank you for doing that. I'm not sure if the only one that does it, but I find it at CycloneAlert. So thank you for that. And reading TJ and and listening to what he has to say about. You know, if you want to come here, if you want to play here, and once you get here, you're going to have to continue to play on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, Curtis Jones, he singled out as an example, a, a perfect example of that. And um, boy, Jones is playing exceptionally well, but he's got to do it on both ends of the floor. And man, oh man, they guarded those horn frogs, didn't they? Yeah, man. I thought in the first half of the last two games specifically, they've played some of the best defense that they have. All season. I don't think it's maybe carried over to the second half as much as the coaching staff would like it to, but the way that they guarded in the first half against Texas was really, really impressive, especially in the paint. I thought they did a really good job against the Longhorns. And then, honestly, against TCU on Saturday, I thought they were even better in the first half. I think they held TCU to about 22 first half yep. points. Um, and then in the second half, I think, you know, you start to see teams make some shots. You start to see teams get to the rim a little bit more. Um, as the game prolongs. And I think if I was thinking, find a way to clean that stuff up on the defensive side, you're looking at the possibility of an already elite defense turning into, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you can get better than elite, but somehow better than elite. Cause like it's, it, it's a top five defense in the country for sure. It's a lot of fun to watch them play defense. And I think that their defense is good enough to get them to a sweet 16, get them to, a second weekend in the NCAA tournament because I think their offense is good enough at this point now to to count on scoring, you know, 65, 70 points a game pretty consistently because they have so many guys who are able to get to the rim and score and, and they have enough shot makers, but it all starts for them on the defensive side and they do such a good job on that end of the basket, um, or I should say on that end of the court when it comes to forcing turnovers, getting steals, limiting open looks, especially from uh, inside the two-point arc. like I think they just do a really, really good job on the defensive side, um, and I think it's certainly where they've made their mark this season. We uh, know the first meeting between the two. TC come roaring back, and if that game was 42 minutes as opposed to 40, <laughs> maybe 41. It, it might have been a different outcome in it, but ultimately not the case. Uh, they had that 10 nothing run middle of the second half. I, I just... Did you ever have a concern? Because I didn't. I mean, they were still up seven even after the run. Did you ever any concern? Oh, boy, they started this run a little bit earlier. Iowa State might be in trouble. No, I, I really didn't. Um, I think you, you felt it more in, in the Texas game. I think Texas ended up actually taking a lead at one point in the second yeah. half. I think one of the reasons why you feel so confident if you're an Iowa State fan or you should feel confident with Iowa State, if they get a big lead, is it's just so hard to come back on them because defensively they're so good. Um, you know, you mentioned TCU getting it down to seven or eight points in the second half. Like, that's still a two, three possession game. And I think that that says a lot about, like, just how much improved this team is from where they were last year. Um, because, you know, last year they started Big 12 play really, really strongly as well. And they kind of faltered a little bit down the stretch, losing three or four in a row. And, um, you know, I think five or seven of whatever it was, nine. Um, I don't see that happening with this year's team just because of how good they are um, defensively. They've maintained the same team integrity, but offensively they've become good enough to you know continue to maintain leads and then also at the same time um, increase leads when they have them. And I think that's what you kind of saw them do in the second half of the TCU game where they were able to get it up to 15. They were able to get it up to 17 or wherever it was. And I think that 
once you get up to that point, then it just becomes can you train together enough stops um, in closing time? And that's what Iowa State's been able to do so well. And that's how you win games in the last four or five minutes is you get stops and you keep teams off the paint uh, or off the scoreboard and off the glass. And Iowa State does a really good job of both of those things. 20 assists on 24 made baskets. That number certainly gets your attention distributing the ball. And Kashawn Gilbert's really um, the ringleader. At least he was. He led the team in assists this past week. And the game before that, when Lipsy was in foul trouble, it's nice that they've got that guy that they can lean on, right? That when Lipsy, you know, is in foul trouble or, you know, God forbid he gets hurt again, uh, that Kashawn Gilbert can take that role. He's been... Uh, his role continues to evolve, uh, and, and he's stepping up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really kind of worth noting, too, that like if you go on Iowa State's Kempom page or their Bark Torvik page, um, you've kind of started to see that Keyshawn Gilbert's role has steadily increased more and more for Iowa State, and I'm sure some of that has to do with, you know, Tamin missing an entire game. Um, but Keyshawn Gilbert is turning into a pretty good, pretty dangerous Big 12 guard. He's super athletic. His ability to get to the rim is high level. He's a really good defender, and he gives them a different type of defender than Lipsy in the backcourt because of his athleticism. Whereas Lipsy's more strong um, and physical, I think Keyshawn is quicker and, and is able to keep guys in front of him um, when Taven might struggle with some of those things. But, you know, I also think you've seen Keyshawn's confidence really improve, and I think the game has really started to slow down for him. If you guys think back to early in the season when Iowa State was playing a lot of those bye games, they were getting a ton of run-out opportunities and a ton of easy baskets. But, you know, Keyshawn was the one getting a lot of them. And he would just kind of put his head down and put pressure on the rim. I think back to Saturday, he gets one of those similar opportunities and he throws a lot of pass to Robert Jones, who kind of lays it in on an alley-oop play-up. Um, things like that, I think, are showing the improvement of Keyshawn Gilbert this year. And I think it's been really impressive. So we fast-forward to tomorrow night, and it's Cincinnati, a team desperate for a quality victory. They played... I don't know, as daunting of a schedule. Everybody's daunting in the Big 12, it feels like. Well, they have that run of six straight ranked opponents that they played toward the early portion of this one. They're battle-tested. They gave Houston a good fight on Saturday, came up short in that one. This important one for Cincinnati. What do you anticipate we're going to see outside of two physical basketball teams? Yeah, certainly you mentioned the physicality. I would anticipate it being a pretty close game. Cincinnati's played a ton, a ton of close games. Um, You know, obviously, they were able to kind of beat BYU pretty handily to open Big 12 play. But, you know, they played close game against Texas. They played close against Baylor. They played a pretty close game into overtime against TCU. Um, they had the game against Oklahoma decided by less than five points. Like, they they were really in it um, mm-hmm. for the entire game at Allen Fieldhouse. And then even on Saturday against Houston, they were they had it within five. Um, I would anticipate it being a really close game. I think that this is one of those situations where Cincinnati, like you said, they've played a lot of close games. They just need to find ways to get good wins. And this is a really good opportunity for them to get a key win, um, especially for the resume. As you see, Iowa State's up to the top 10 in the net. Um, I think Cincinnati's one of the teams in the Big 12 that you kind of look at as their borderline tournament team. Like if the, agree. If the Big 12 if the Big 12's going to end up getting nine, maybe 10 teams into the NCAA tournament, I think Cincinnati's maybe that ninth or 10th team. Um, and this is the type of opportunity for Cincinnati where a win would go a really, really long way for them and maybe kind of help cover up the loss that they took. Um in West Virginia at the end of January. So I think Cincinnati certainly feels like this is a really big opportunity for them and, 
and they're at home. So it's certainly a big opportunity from that standpoint where you got to win home games if you want to make the NCAA tournament and continue to compete in the Big 12. You know, uh, I haven't seen Cincinnati play a ton. I watched the Houston game this past week. Kid that really impressed me. This is Skillings, and, and he comes off the bench. Uh, I don't know how much you've watched him. Is that normal for him? Because I thought he was their best player on the floor, yet here he comes off the bench. Is that normal for Cincinnati, the way they play? They play a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've had an opportunity to watch a ton of them. I know that one of the things that is kind of their trademark this year is their size. Um, Victor Lockin is a big for them. That is that is pretty good and plays a good amount of minutes. And then Jamil Reynolds is another one who's a little bit thicker, um, maybe a little bit more physical, yeah. where Lockin's a little bit more skilled, I guess you could maybe say. Um, so their size, I think it's certainly going to be something that challenges. I would say that they've got multiple guys who are – 6'10", 6'11", just similar to Iowa State does. But, you know, that's not that's not super common in the Big 12. I feel like if there's one thing about the Big 12 that's different than the SEC or the Big 10, um, it's smaller guards and just, like, maybe not as big of a wealth of elite bigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that's one thing where Iowa State's to be challenged is it's physically. Uh, and then they've got a Baylor transfer, or, excuse me, Butler transfer. I, I believe I'm saying his name right here, Seamus Lukosius. Um, he's a good player. He played pretty well last year at Butler. He's transferred over to Cincinnati, not having as much success this season as he was a year before, but he is a pretty good shooter, shooting about 35% from the perimeter. One football note from me, a big week in recruiting. When you look at the class of 2025, they get Will Tompkins out of Cedar Falls. He had offers, big-time offers across the country, and also got their quarterback and Alec Mansky coming in uh, from Algona. Tell us a little bit about those two guys and two big-time prospects from the state that are going to be Cyclones. Yeah, the Mansky commitment definitely got the class started um, back in back in February, on February 1. Um, Tompkins is probably one of the bigger offensive line commitments in state that Iowa State has gotten uh, under Matt Campbell. He's a three-star prospect, um, top 10 prospect in the state. Iowa State's already got two prospects ranked among the top 10 in Iowa that are committed in the 2025 class after not getting any in the 2024 class. So that's a really good start. Um, I like the way this class is turning. I think it's turning in a really good way. Trevor Don, um, younger brother of Malik Verdon, coming to Iowa State mm-hmm. from Hamilton, Ohio. Really, really good athlete on the defensive line. Or the edge, which is where he'll play at Ohio or at Iowa State, excuse me. Um, and then Davion Robinson is scheduled to announce his commitment in about a month. And I think Iowa State fits pretty well there. They're battling with um, Missouri and as well as Iowa, but I think Iowa State is in the best position there. And I have a crystal ball in for um, Davion Robinson to join Alex Mansky and Wilkes Tompkins as top ten prospects in the state of Iowa in the twenty twenty five class to commit to Iowa State. CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. Uh, what can we look forward to this week, Alec, at uh, Cyclone Alert? Yeah, I got a mailbag published this morning. I always enjoy writing those. Those are a ton of fun, answering subscribers' questions about you know Cyclone basketball, Cyclone football. Um, there's some fun ones in there. People ask me about my thoughts about um, how to improve Houghton Coliseum. We'll certainly be covering the Cincinnati game, um, have coverage of that. And then there was three or four basketball recruits who were on campus this past weekend. Um, we're hoping to have updates on all four of them. Um, we will certainly have updates on at least three of them. Uh, so make sure to check out the website for updates on who those prospects are, and then we'll also try and um, drop a pretty big VIP scoop like we had the last couple of weeks on Friday afternoon heading into the basketball game on, on Saturday morning in Texas Tech. Uh, good stuff, and uh, thank you again for putting those transcripts out there of uh, TJ's postgame press, especially uh, uh, certainly when they're at home. Uh, Alec, thank you. Appreciate it. We'll talk with you next Monday. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Yep, good to talk to you. Uh, check it in on...
those Cyclones with Alec Bussey. Uh, that's going to be a tough split. It's a tough game tomorrow. It is, yeah. It's a tough game. Their next two roadies at Cincy, then they're home for Texas Tech before Monday against Houston on the quick turnaround. Ken Pomeroy has it a one-point spread. It's essentially, well, um, they got some size. Yeah. Since he's got some size, didn't mention that Bandago, I think is how you say his name, seven footer uh, from Senegal. Um, yeah, I'm glad I watched that game. I was I was impressed by Cincinnati. It was. We'll take a time out. Come back. Trent's plays of the day. They're coming up. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, one hundred six point. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back. Final segment, Circus Sports Sponsors, Trent's Play of the Day. We'll get to that in just a second. Got to spend a minute. I got to give credit to Drake uh, going on the road and beating Bradley the way that they did. That was a big spot. Second place essentially was on the line in that game. This Darnell Brody, when he's on, he's on. He was so – I thought he was the difference in the basketball game. DeVries is DeVries. He's going to get his. Right. Uh, Wright was good. Uh, Ferguson was really good in the game. But Darnell Brody, to me, was the difference. And uh, quite the story from the MVC. Indiana State ranked in the AP poll for the first time since when? 1979. Come on. Isn't that, that wild? Isn't that something? Since you remember who's on that team, Trent? Oh, well, they had a pretty good yeah, guy as uh, his name. Larry Bird. Oh, that's right. Bird. Yeah, played for a national championship and haven't been ranked since. Isn't that something? Good for them. Uh well, it looks as though if it is a two-bid lead, that they that they would be the team that's the at-large. They can't win the tournament in St. Louis, but or for it to have any hope of that. All right, Trent. Let's hope you can give some picks and start the audience off on the right foot. Big Monday. We're going to take both sides of it, starting with the ACC side of things. This Duke team, I just can't wrap my arms around them. Give me Wake and Steve Forbes. Lone Train, Iowa native Steve Forbes. We'll grab the 7.5 with Wake Forest tonight in Cameron Indoor. Late night, it is Kansas at Texas Tech. No McCuller. Oh, he's out again. He didn't play Saturday. He's out again. Yeah, I heard that this morning oh, that boy. he's going to be out. For how long? Trending back, but okay. not going to be, okay. at least at this point, available for this one. I don't care. Give me Kansas. Texas mm. Tech going the wrong way. I know they got a win over the weekend against UCF. I just don't like the way this Texas Tech team is playing. So I'm going to grab the points here, getting three and a half. like that little hook in there, too. That's a nice mm-hmm. one. Um, and we will jump on that one. And finally, one more play, McNeese State. They are the the best team in the Southland. We are, are leading a big number here. Houston Christian is who they're playing. we got a late 20. We'll do it because we got a strong-ass offer. That's right. Will Wade <laughs> is now the coach at McNeese State. We'll lay the big number. So it's Wake Forest. Strong-ass offer. Plus 7.5. He wasn't talking about no. paying players, though. No. <laughs> Kansas plus 3.5. And, a half and uh-uh. strong-ass offer, minus 20. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Uh, fun show today. Super Bowl was great. Terrific. Now, Overtime. How many mock drafts are you going to be starting to dig into now starting this week? Tis the season. Yeah, I know Tis you. Tis the season. I love the draft and everything. And look, the NFL never takes – they take the first week of July off, mm-hmm. essentially. That's about it. Um, but at that time, we're, we're already starting yeah, to ramp up. Look, uh, because the SEC and the Big 12 – don't forget, Big 12 media days, football media days are in – where are they again? See you there, Vegas. Oh, that's right. Good stuff. Murph and Andy are five minutes away. The drive with Heather and Sean from 3 until 6. Of course, every day, locally, begins with the morning rush. They get underway at 6. We're Miller and Condon. You can hear Trent and I weekdays from 11 to 1 on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO.